This is Iron Mike Stedman. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning into my show, the legendary Dog Whistle Brandon. Everyone knows that veterans love swag. And there's a reason you constantly see us wearing hoodies and t-shirts of the brands that we love. Here in Newark, I'm constantly rocking my Ironbound boxing hoodie, not only to bring more visibility to the Ironbound brand, but also to symbolize that I'm part of a team and a movement. Apparel is a hard business model to scale, though, but that hasn't stopped Army veteran and West Point graduate Dean Wagner from taking his chances. Dean is the founder and CEO of Authentically American, an American-made apparel company that provides corporations and organizations with high-quality branded apparel and accessories. Dean and his team are on a mission to bring jobs back to America by selling competitively priced premium branded apparel and believes it's his patriotic duty to do so. On the show, Dean shares insight into the market opportunity he saw with Authentically American, tapping into the growing American-made movement, some of the pivots he's had to make along the way, and his overall strategy for scaling the brand nationwide. Before you hear from Dean and I, I'd like to encourage you to check out my first book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur, Violate Your Business Model, Build Your Brand, and Step Into Greatness, available on Amazon at the link in the show notes. All right, enough of me talking. Gunny, you know what to do. Yo, saddle up, lock and load. You're listening to Dog Whistle Branding, brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media and Flawless Acceleration where we're building the next generation of confident, resilient, and badass entrepreneurs and brands to keep you in the fight and not face down in a rice paddy. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the godfather of Dog Whistle Branding, founder of Ironbound Media, and head of brand at Flawless Acceleration. Before we jump into the show, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes, or visit our website, dogwhistlebranding.com, to stay up to date on all things DWB and FA. All right, get out your pen and paper and get ready to build a dog whistle brand. Saddle up, lock and load. Dean, the man, the myth, the legend. Welcome to Dog Whistle Brand. Well, the way you set that up, Iron Mike, how could I not look forward to a great discussion? Thank you for having me as a guest. Dean, I want to say something. Uh Uh-oh. I love your energy. You know, not just here on this podcast, but... You know, we've had a chance to interact in person on yes. a couple occasions, right? Whether it was the MilVet Startup Conference or Military Influencer Conference. And I feel like you represent what I love about this community. Just genuine, good people that care about our country, that care about other veteran entrepreneurs. When I saw you at MilVet, you bought my book. You didn't have to do that. And I just really appreciate that. And I appreciate the energy you put out into the community. Well, Mike, I appreciate you sharing that. And I believe passion is one of those key components for a successful entrepreneur. You have to believe in what you're doing. You have to be passionate. And when you have that passion, that passion is also contagious because I mirror that right back at you because you are high energy, you're passionate, and you believe in what you're doing. I don't know about you, but I feel like in business, there's just a lot of posing going on, (laughs) you know? And you can see it now where like, and I, I've been thinking a lot about this lately of, you know, even with this SVB bank collapsing, and then you saw the stuff with Peloton and all this other stuff, right? Business and money can bring out the worst in people, you know? And I think for a lot of us, it's vets, right? We're used to this environment where it was all about bigger than us, right? Any one individual, it was about the mission, right? It was about the person to the left and right of you. And it doesn't necessarily feel like that all the time in business. 
Well, that's what I love about this community, Mike, and what you're doing with this podcast, because this is not just a veteran community. It's a veteran entrepreneur community. And there's a lot of questions that we as entrepreneurs have. And you had asked, hey, what would be success, Dean, for you being a guest? And that would be, you know, the audience has one takeaway, just one nugget of wisdom that they get. And when you're a veteran, when you're an entrepreneur, you come from that same value, same set of ethos and cut from the same cloth. And then you can trust that veteran community. So that's what it's all about for me. And I think authentically American is a good name for you. And that's what I was trying to get at. It's like you're very authentic. Yeah. And I've seen you, right? Mm -hmm. I've seen you be super passionate about your company, whether you're on stage or you're sitting behind a booth, right? And you're like, I just got off a call with someone. I was like, say less, do more. And there's a people that do a lot of talking, mm -hmm. which we're going to get into today. But at the end of the day, you got to get out there, right? You had your booth set up at Milvet. I'm selling books, right? And this is what I'm trying to get people to realize that like this go to market, this building a brand is not something you're going to do sit behind a computer. You got to get out there and you got to talk to people and you got to sell and you got to learn from the market and you got to improvise, adapt, overcome, right? Like the same stuff we're taught in the military applies to when we're going to market as entrepreneurs. Mike, I absolutely agree. And there certainly is a place and there's value to Zoom and the virtual interactions that we have. But I'm so thankful we're out of COVID because when you have a new book, when you have a new brand, you have a new business. You know, there's no better way to build those relationships than shaking somebody's hand, looking them in the eye and building that relationship in person. So for our listeners who are not familiar with authentic, authentically American, tell us about the business and what you guys do. So we are in the apparel business. We have amazing product and it's all made here in the U.S. And to give everyone an idea how rare American made is, when I graduated from West Point in 93, over 50 percent of the apparel was made in the U.S., Today, Mike, it's 3.5. 3.5 is all that's made here in the U.S. And that shocking statistic gave birth to our tagline, where's yours made? And it's designed to be provocative. And I love asking people the question like, hey, Mike, great looking shirt, where's yours made? And people look at me funny like, Dean, I have no idea. And then they're shocked when they look at the tag and see made in China, made in Vietnam. And American made doesn't mean something to everything, Mike, everyone, Mike. But the veteran community, if you're a veteran business owner, you lead a veteran charity, if you are a veteran consumer, you know, that American made, that made in USA tag means something. And that's what our brand's all about. How have you managed to position American made as a benefit and not just a feature? So there's a lot of listeners that are tuning in. They label their business as veteran owned or black owned or women owned or whatever, right? And it doesn't always necessarily translate to revenue. And we are talking about it now, Mike, but I will tell you as a consumer brand, as an apparel brand, being American made, being veteran owned is secondary. What is absolutely 100% most important is an amazing product experience. That is what's most important. And let me do this, Mike, because you've seen this before, but I think this would be powerful for your audience. And I'm going to have a little bit of fun because you've seen one of our products that people love. And I am holding up one of my personal favorite shirts, a Go Army West Point shirt. And that is part of our business. We have a whole consumer side, which includes West Point collection. And if you remember, Mike, feeling this, how soft this shirt is, and that is by design, because who doesn't love a nice soft t-shirt. The other thing is the print. 
Think of a lot of the t-shirts that you have in your closet that you've bought before. It has that heavy plastisol ink, and on a hot summer day, it will Terrible. stick to your chest. You wash it a few times, it will crack. We very intentionally use a soft hand print because we want the fabric, the print, to include tagless. I mean, nobody likes a tag. They itch. So everything about our shirts is incredibly soft. But, Mike, this is where I'm going to have a little fun with you and I on opposite sides of the greatest collegiate rivalry in the country, the Army-Navy rivalry. So, as a reminder, watch what happens when I spray this Go Army shirt. You can see magically. It says Beat Navy. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you could say it, Mike, but I love to showcase this because when people see that hidden message magically appear, I've literally had people say, Dean, no offense, I don't care where it's made. The shirt is so incredibly soft. And then their reaction is like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And that is what I'm talking about from amazing product experience. Because if we deliver on that first and foremost, that's what's most important. But then when you have an experience like that, you want to learn more and you'll see the tag back to that 3% number and realize that nothing in your closet is American made. And that's when we have an opportunity to be your favorite brand, because then you will go to our website learn the story and ethos behind our brand. That's when you'll learn that we very intentionally donate 10% of our profits to veteran and first responder charities. You'll learn more about American Made and the 11 states that we'll manufacture. But Mike, none of that matters unless the very first time you try our product, you're like, wow, phenomenal product. As important as that is, having a great product, and you said, you know, we're just when I brought this point up, you said we're just talking about this now, like amongst your team and everything. What made you come to the real, not realization, but emphasis that like great product, you have to have a great product because without the great product, none of that else matters. The way I came about that, Mike, is reaching out to people. And I said, you're not going to believe this. Only 3% of the apparel in the U.S. is made in America. We're veteran owned. And people shockingly to me looked at me like, who cares? Right. Who cares? And at first I was offended. I'm like, how could you? I mean, not care about that. But then I realized that, you know what? We don't have to be all things to all people. And it's so great being here with you, Mike, because COVID has been an incredible challenge for us because we have manufacturing in 11 states. But one good thing that came out of COVID was focus. And I'm not even borderline ADD. I really struggle with focus. And COVID forced us to focus. So I'd mentioned that consumer side of our business with Authentically American and all the collegiate licenses, Army, Navy, VMI, Citadel, all the military schools. That is an ultra competitive side because ultimately we're competing against Nike, Under Armour, Polo, all these brands that spend millions of dollars that we don't have. But our focus now is on the corporate B2B side. So businesses of all sizes, charities and other organizations. And what's so great about this discussion, Mike, is we found that our brand really resonates with the veteran. Veteran-owned and veteran-operated businesses and veteran-focused charities, just the veteran in general. So all of our targeted marketing, all of our focus, all of our events are focused on that veteran community. So you and I most recently connected at the Milvet Conference. You know, that wasn't by accident. It was a, you know, veteran, entrepreneur, business-owning community. So that's why we were there. And there's probably a dozen clients, new ones that came out of that because they would say, Dean, you do have amazing product because I can see and feel and touch it. And if we weren't there in person, we didn't have that experience, that wouldn't have happened. 
let's break this down, right? Because I'm just going my brain head on for a second. A lot of us as military officers, enlisted, whatever, those of us that serve, veterans in general, we've spent a majority of our life in a uniform. It's part of who we are, right? We Even out of uniform, right, we still carry that uniform on our heart. Now, all of a sudden, we become a civilian. We start our own business and stuff, et cetera. And we still miss that kind of uniform feeling just a little bit, right? We want to wear our logo and our brand and put it on our chest and everything. And so there's a natural fit there, I feel like, with the veteran space around swag and apparel, right? We freaking love apparel. And I think what you're doing, like you said, targeting, okay, well, not just one-offs. What about when I'm outfitting a whole team? I'm outfitting a whole organization, right? We talk about product market fit, right? We talk about founder market fit. You're a West Point grad, you know, former Army officer, business owner, you know, that's your space. Like, you know this space. And so you immersing yourself in the community, going to the events and providing a real value to the, like, I need apparel. And I've told you this, like, our team needs it. So that's why I think you're getting a lot of pull there on the business side of the house. And Mike, let me share you a pretty neat story that, you know, focuses it even more. And I tell everybody, we're an overnight success story, five years in the making. We are really starting to explode. And in 2017, we're a blank sheet of paper. And if you and I would have sat down and reviewed my business plan, you would have seen no focus, no call out around Fortune 500 companies, because I would have told you that they're big, they're bureaucratic, and the procurement cycle is forever long. And here's what's interesting back to that veteran focus. So about two years ago, Procter & Gamble reached out and they said, Dean, we have all these veterans in our ERG. We need some polos. We don't want Nike. We don't want Made in China. We want to partner with you. Can you help us? And I said, 100%, we absolutely can. But I said, what's an ERG? I had, had never heard of that before. You know, I'd been far removed from my Fortune 500 corporate days, and they explained to me that an ERG is an employee resource group, a business resource group. It's like these small little affinity groups within these bigger companies. And to your point, Mike, the veteran community, you know, identifies with that uniform. So Bridgestone is a Fortune 500 tire company, and they're headquartered here in Nashville. They've got 20,000 people in their headquarters, and we've done some work with Bridgestone Bravo. And they have given us, one, the most incredible feedback about our product, how soft, how comfy it is, and everything about it. But the other point, which touches on what you're pointing out, is when they walk through the halls of Bridgestone and they're wearing something Bridgestone Bravo, they're like, there's one of my people. There's somebody who's a fellow veteran, somebody who's part of my community. And the veteran community loves that aspect. Going back to 2017, when you wrote up your business plan on a scratch piece of paper or whatever it was, what did you envision that go-to-market to actually look like? Like, who did you think your perfect customer was and how was your marketing set up to attract them versus how you shifted it to today? Well, Mike, here's the ignorance and naivety I had back then because apparel is a massive $300 billion industry. 300 billion. I joke that unless you live in a nudist colony, you make a choice every morning what shirt you're going to wear. And my initial thinking was, well, everybody chooses what shirt. So everybody can be a potential customer of ours. Guess how well that focus worked? Not good at all. No, not good at all. And again, COVID has been incredibly challenging, but it did fo force us to focus. 
And we looked at some data and, you know, looked at the sales cycle for, you know, a non-veteran company that would be six, 12 months or more, even if they, if they ever did work with us versus a veteran-owned, veteran-operated business. And a six-month sales cycle went down to about six days or six minutes. They're like, Dean, I'm a veteran as well. I know you. I trust you. I believe you. You've got amazing product. You're competitively priced. I want to make that switch. There's a, a friend of mine named Deshaun Russell that runs Southern Elegant Candle Co. And she came up with this thing on, on audience. And she says it's, it's a three-part framework. You can build it, you can borrow it, or you can buy it, right? You and the trust you've built from your background in the military, your West Point affiliations, the trust is already there, veteran to veteran, right? No it just speaks for itself, right? We spend so much time as entrepreneurs trying to build brands Instead of borrowing, you know, some of the brand credibility we already have that's already out there. Like me, I run Ironbound Boxing in Newark. I don't have to sell boxing. Muhammad Ali sold it 10 times over, right? I'm never going to replace him or Mayweather or all these people, right? What you can do is carve out a way to drive that demand to you. And I encourage a lot of our listeners to see, like, what, can, what kind of brand credibility is already out there that's already in their social circle that they can just tap into and leverage without having to create it from scratch? Mike, you are really onto something, and I'll tell you the impact. So, you know, that focus now on larger companies in that veteran community. So this sweat-activated shirt that I told you about and I showed you, the minimum is only 24. And that was an intentional choice. So small businesses, which is the most common business in the U.S., small charities, you know, individual CrossFit gyms can partner with us. But here's the power of focus because the minimum is 24. We just had a top 10 accounting firm in January order 27,000. 27,000, and that wouldn't happen unless we had that focus. And that is just a huge, huge multiplier. And one of my favorite mantras now, Mike, is the riches are in the niches. Are in the niches. Yep. You don't have to be all things to all people. And I used to work at Procter & Gamble. We used to work at Mars on brands like Crest and Tide and M&M's. And all of those brands are unique and different, Mike, but all of them are a billion dollars or more. And what I've embraced is we don't have to be all things to all people. We need to find the Iron Mike Steadmans. We need to find the man leading you know, Pepsi Valor. We need to find the woman leading Bridgestone Bravo and people like us because you do the quick math on a $300 billion market, the market share to be a billion, billion dollar brand is one third of 1%. One third of one percent. Those are those niches that you're talking about. Even though we say this, okay, so everybody knows riches are in the niches, but if you ask nine out of ten entrepreneurs who their perfect customer is, they're gonna say everyone is their perfect customer. Even after having like a hundred episodes and all the books in the world that says you can't serve everyone, do you think it's an ego thing? Do you think it's just a lack of experience? Is this just one of those things that you gotta learn stepping inside the entrepreneur entrepreneurial arena? You get beat up and punched in the face a little bit. And finally you realize like, hey, you know, I need to niche down and focus. I think it's two things, Mike. One is it's being naive, being new and not fully understanding it. And I think the other part as well, back to passion, when you have an incredible product idea, when you have an incredible service idea, you're like everybody's going to love it because you've got this very sheltered, very focused framework that you think, it is phenomenal. It very well could be. 
but that doesn't work, especially initially. I mean, you need to identify that very specific, that very focused target customer. And I'm case in point. I, you know, I've read the studies, I read the books, I heard the feedback, and I thought, well, we're really onto something. Nobody's focused on American made, and that's what we're going to do. And it didn't work. Apparel is a notoriously hard market. I know you say it's a big industry, but let's be honest, right? You're not the first one that's like, I'm going to sell apparel to veteran-owned businesses and organizations. There are people that have crashed and burned. Mm -hmm. What is it about your business model and your approach to bringing this vision to life that you think these other businesses didn't see and that you're capitalizing on? So, Mike, it really is the combination of two factors. One is the amazing product. Two is the American made, but then focused on the veteran community. And I'll tell you a story about Tunnel to Towers. Are you familiar with Tunnel to Towers? I am not. It is an incredible veteran first responder focused charity. So here's the quick backstory. It was birthed out of 9-11. So an incredibly courageous fireman, Stephen Stiller. He was off duty on 9-11, heard on the radio, everything going on with the towers. He tried to drive in his truck back into the city and was able to get in. This is what he did, Mike. He put on 60 pounds of fireman gear, 60 pounds, ran over five miles to the tower, courageously saved countless people's lives, but tragically in the process, lost his life. And Tunnel to Towers is an amazing organization. What they do is they pay for a first responder, for example, if a police officer is killed in the line of duty, they pay for that family's mortgage. So they never have to worry about their primary residence again. And for years, it was a small group of firemen sitting around a card table saying, let's have an annual run in honor of Stephen. And about 10 years ago, they started to get serious. They really started to focus. And they are now a $200 million charity, a $200 million charity. They are massive. And this past summer, Mike, they did a huge test with us. They said, Dean, we love American Made, but before we switch everything over, we want to try it out. And we got phenomenal feedback, Mike, not just on the T-shirts, the socks, the polos, quarter zips, everything across the board. And I was working with their chief marketing officer, Larry Olson. And Larry said, Dean, we're going to start moving through all our inventory and we're going to switch everything over to you. Mike, he called me in December and said, Dean, I just got the best reinforcement on why we're switching everything over to you because a proud veteran donated at their minimum monthly level and he received one of their iconic red hats. This veteran, Mike, got the hat in the mail, opened it up, looked at the tag, saw a made in China tag. He cut it into shreds, sent it to Larry with one note that said, shame on you, shame on you. Larry called me up and said, Dean, that's why we're switching because we serve veterans, we serve first responders, and the veteran and the first responder community, they want American made. They want that made in USA tag. They don't want made in China. I love that. And that goes back to your point of view, right? Oh. So this is what your stake is on the industry. You're saying that these American entrepreneurs, veteran entrepreneurs, they want American made, right? Your ERGs, they want American yes. made. It is a disservice to them when you provide them with apparel and swag, whatever you want to call it, and you have it imported from some of these other countries. We have so many, whether it's authentically American or not, right? Businesses 
here that are American-made. And one of the things I try to encourage our listeners to think about is when you are known for something, when you're sharing that POV, when you're building the category of American-made apparel, right, everyone is going to eat in it, right? You actually have to grow the category as a whole, right? Not just your little piece of the pie. You need to make people see the importance of American-made in the first place. Mike, this is the most exciting for me because I am passionate about making a difference. So when we launched Authentically American from a blank sheet of paper in 2017, the percent of apparel made in the U.S. was 2.7, 2.7. So fast forward five years later, that number is now up to 3.5%. So a 30% increase, not in our business, but in the industry as a whole. And this would be something in another five years that would be so exciting for me that 2.7 goes to 5.4 and to double an industry, to double an industry. And our business back to that overnight success story five years in the making is truly taking off. And we can't take credit for all that growth in the industry as a whole, but we have been a tremendous catalyst in that. You've commented before, seeing us on Fox and Friends or seeing the article in Forbes magazine, the incredible national media exposure we've had. And that has been a catalyst because people have reached out in other categories and other businesses and said, Dean, you're onto something with American Made. It's meaningful. It's impactful. And right now, Mike, with two and a half years in a global pandemic, with a war in Ukraine, with multifaceted threats in China, Country of origin matters now more than it has in a long, long time. So I'm going to put on another hat. So people (laughs) think I went to Rutgers. (laughs) People think I went to Rutgers and got an MBA. I did not. I got my master's in American studies with the emphasis on public history. Why do I bring this up? I think that American made is tied to, like you said, a social movement now. It's a representative of like, what does it mean to be American? For a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, America was a superpower, you know, business and manufacturing and all these things. And I feel like the movement towards American made, the timing is just right to where, you know, there is this movement. You can feel it. Right. As soon as you like 10 years ago, you talked about American made. It's like, all right. But then I think about my own network, like Jocko. Right. The Jocko podcast and what he's doing with origin. You know, the jujitsu gears and the garments and they're building these factories. He's got a factory like out in Maine. So, you know, I try to let our listeners understand that, like, you can feel these movements that are taking place, just like the veganism movement and healthy eating. 30 years ago, nobody gave a damn. Right. But now you can't walk down the street without buying, you know, vegan coffee or organic strawberries or whatever else. And so part of what we have to do as entrepreneurs is be very observant to what's going on. Right taking our ego out of it. Because again, Dean, if you launched this business 20 years ago, it might not have been the success it is today. Just the reality of it. You know? Timing is everything, Mike. And I will tell you, our focus on the client B2B side, I will share with you the best feedback I get from somebody like you, a business owner, a CEO, a general manager, a division president, when they say, Dean, I love it when we partner with you and your brand. I made everyone wear their shirt on Friday, but they want to wear it on Saturday. It's their new favorite. And nobody's going to stay at your company just because you give them a great shirt, but it's just one more reinforcement on why they love the company they work for. And instead of a Nike swoosh on your polo when you have our vintage U.S. flag, that hem tag, that is that subtle reinforcement of the intentional choice that you as a business have made around American made. 
I want to shift gears here now and get a little bit more tactical with you. Okay, so we understand the vision of authentic American. Break it down for us in terms of like, what do you do on like a daily, weekly, monthly basis to drive revenue? So, like probably the easiest way. Are you familiar with EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, or the book? Tracking? I am. Of course. So I was not until three years ago. We've implemented EOS. We've implemented traction and it is making all the difference in the world because now we as a business, we as a team, you know, speak the same language. You know, we've got a framework for how our, we are running our business. So my focus is more in that true visionary role. And I am out speaking at conferences like we were at Milvet together. I am out trying to secure national media, national TV experiences. We're now working with 115 Fortune 500 companies and their veteran ERGs, and that is where my focus is. So when you put it in the context of EOS and tractionary and traction and visionary, that's where my focus is. And nearly, nearly my exclusive focus is on the vision, you know, growing our business, building our brand. But one more point to reinforce, Mike, the only way I can do that is having an amazing team. How big is your team, by the way? So we are lean and mean. It's amazing. So in COVID, we got up to 12 full time. And most of our workforce is outsourced, all the manufacturing, all the finance, IT, accounting, even some of our digital marketing is outsourced. We have shrunk our team now in half. And it's amazing because we do twice as much work with half the team. And we will more than double our business this year, and we may have one or two people. And we'll do that again next year. And one, it's embracing technology, but COVID, since we shrunk down, we realized that there were some overlaps and redundancies in what our team was doing. We just weren't that efficient. And to the team's credit now, we've really you know, streamlined our operations, streamlined our process, so we can do so much more with less. I appreciate you sharing insight on that. And for those that are tuning in, what Dean is basically saying, his goal, his role and responsibility is shaking hands and kissing babies, right? That's the goal of every entrepreneur. We just want to shake hands and kiss babies all day. Get on television, you know, close big accounts. We don't want to be in the day-to-day. But I do need you to put your brain on. I mean, not put your brain on, put on your, you know, your marketing hat for a little bit because I'm worried that a lot of listeners, a lot of entrepreneurs confuse busyness with effectiveness. And, you know, they're getting bombarded all the time that they need to be on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, yada, yada, yada. And the reality you and I both know is that, like, not all those channels are going to work best for our business. And we only have so much time, effort and attention to focus on the moves that are going to have the biggest return for us. So prime example for my nonprofit, Ironbound Boxing, I can do 10,000 things, but it comes down to sending out my newsletter. Like of everything I do, Dean, me taking the time to write a newsletter and sharing an update with my list is like the most beneficial thing ever. That and like meeting with 10 veteran entrepreneurs a week, right? If I do those things, Ironbound is great. And I can get caught up in all the business and da 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 and da da da. But if I don't do those things, right, I'm not moving our organization forward. Well, like you are so <laughs> on point with that focus because. You know, the last time you and I were there at the together at the Milvet conference, you know, I had an opportunity to speak in front of three, four hundred people, which is phenomenal because, you know, they heard a broad exposure to our brand. But nothing happens out of that. There's an awareness exposure. 
but where the magic comes is a combination of macro with the micro because you know people stopped by our booth and they said they were interested but there's the intentional follow-up that i had to do to share a little bit more and you and i talked before the call about you know being able to have the right team and you being able to hand off so I was able to open a lot of doors and then my team does a phenomenal job with the customer experience. So if they hear me speak, they come by and see our product, they have an interest, I open that door and then hand it off to my team. And then my team does a phenomenal job with the customer experience. What's your best growth channel? So you said you're going to double. Is it targeting those corporate accounts? It is within that veteran ERG community and those big companies. Because if you said, Dean, iron bound boxing, we want to get 24 of these custom sweat activated t-shirts we would love to do that with you you're a friend you're a veteran and we love to do that but the work for an order of twenty-seven thousand is not much that not much more than 24. yeah how does that happen right so that's an economic buyer this is someone that can cut the check and make the order for like a twenty-seven thousand. and so my theory is the person that does that is not sitting around on instagram tiktok and whatever else they're going to be part of EO, they're going to be part of some trade associations or something. Maybe they're on LinkedIn. And that's not something that happens in 24 hours, unless I'm mistaken. That's something that's built up over time. I'm glad you mentioned EO because I'm a member of EO Nashville, the entrepreneurs organization. And I will tell you the exact way this happens. So EO not only has great training, they have great peer advisory groups. What they have are events. So I met the managing director for the Nashville market for this top 10 accounting firm. And we hit it off. We had a quick five minute discussion. We exchanged business cards. Three weeks later, we got together for coffee. I shared a little bit more about our brand, shared a little bit more about our story. And he said, Dean, I love what I'm hearing. You know, we have a strong veteran community within our firm. We're a Midwest company. We've got strong values. Let me introduce you to the managing director for our marketing. So I had a Zoom virtual call like this. She's like, hey, I love it. She introduced her team to my team for about six months. Mike, they were going back and forth on designs and iterations. They did a smaller order of about 2000 t-shirts, which is still fairly large. And they loved the product. And then six months later is when they finally placed the order for the big one. So all the way back to the event, you have fun saying shaking hands and kissing babies. So I was shaking hands that night and meeting people, but it was the intentional follow-up two days later to say, Hey, new friend that I met at the EO event, let's grab a cup of coffee and see how we can help each other. And then six months later, then that's when finally came together. So now how do you scale something like that? Right? So I just got off teaching with the lion's pride, which is my coaching group. And I ran a class on, you know, creating your sales team. And so there are a lot of people that are tuning in. They're like, damn, that's great, man. You hit that home run. But how do we make that more consistent? How do we create more connections like that on a recurring basis? And right now we're in this age where everyone wants to automate stuff. Or I'm going to do this drip campaign or I'm going to do this. But again, all work ain't equal. And I, I, we, we've gone away. We, we still have on the consumer side of our brand, you know, mass emails but any targeted marketing emails are all one-to-one. They're all very focused, very intentional because the drip, the campaign, the sequence, it just doesn't work because it's not personal. And how we are scaling is 
inside the internal process that we put in place because we are going to build a an event team so it doesn't need to be just me if our product is as strong as it is when people show up it doesn't need to be me so if we have a strong process where people are exposed to our brand and they reach out to us you know we've got a process to go ahead and bring them through our system and it's the same way what's nice now mike that flywheel starting to take effect because when people have an amazing experience as a business what do they do they tell others if they're wearing one of our polos and for example one of our clients was on national tv yesterday you know he had people saying hey that was a great looking polo where'd you get that so they're then reaching out to us and if we've got a streamlined process to bring them through and get them product that's where it becomes scalable can you explain to our listeners what a flywheel is that may or may not be familiar with a jim collins term yeah so I will probably not do as good a definition, Mike, but you can add value. So the flywheel, and I'm spinning my fingers very you know, close together. And for the first few years of our business, we were running hard. We were running fast. We were trying everything, but it didn't feel like we were going anywhere. But then what happens is we started to get traction and we had a few clients who said, I love their product. I'm going to order a few more. I'm going to order again. And again, they were ordering their second, third and fourth time. And then they were not only ordering for themselves, they were telling one or two people. So before you know it, you know, that multiplying factor starts taking effect and that whole flywheel, my fingers are moving much bigger, much broader, and it starts taking off all of its own. So that's probably not the best definition, Mike, but we are in that flywheel right now where it's really starting to take off. That's great. Yeah. Flywheel refers to Jim Collins in his book. I think it is good to great, or it's one of the other books. I, I think it's good to great. Good to great, or both to last, yeah. Yeah, where he talks about starting a business is like turning a giant heavy flywheel, right? At first, it's slow, it's moving, you're fighting off the rust, and then all of a sudden it starts speeding up, and it gets a little faster and a little faster. And the, the, the flywheel represents the underlying DNA and architecture of your business. It's literally how your business creates repeatable value. It's not your sales cycle. It's the whole way it works, right? And so a couple of times you're gonna have to test and figure out things until you stumble upon it. And when you realize what works, you start feeding the top of that flywheel. In that case, targeting those ERGs, targeting X, Y, and Z, and it just starts spinning and starts spinning and starts spinning. And I'm gonna do a solo episode on that. But I wanna say a couple of things you said that I think are very important for listeners to understand. Stop treating all accounts like they're the same. This is the challenge with automation because you can easily get, caught up in some drip campaign to the CEO of a Fortune 500 or Fortune 100 company who's mixed in there with Joe Schmo, right? They just signed up for your email list because he saw an ad or something, right? Two different audiences, two different messages, and you're leaving money on the table, right? So what we're talking about with Dog Whistle Brain is really getting intent about who your perfect customer is and do you have the right message for them? And sometimes when, you're in a, when you want to really drive revenue, you got to just sit down and, like you said, send that personal email. You got to do a little work. I think, Dean, people think it's people think entrepreneurship is easier than it actually is. And I think they're looking for this just automation, sunshine and rainbows every day that I don't got to really get my hands dirty. And then they get severely disappointed. And I talk to them all the time about it. Well, Mike, let me reinforce that point, but in a different context. So many entrepreneurs will raise capital. And we've raised two million capital total, and 1.5 million has been from angel investors who wrote six-figure checks who believe in our vision. And I also had a personal relationship or a connection. But we also might raise a 
half a million through NextSeed, which was acquired by Republic, more of a crowdfunding. So instead of writing a $100,000 check, you could write a check for as little as $100 and become an equity investor. And we were raising a half a million dollars right at the start of COVID. And COVID hit, and we weren't sure how it was going to work. And it's amazing. People reach out to me now and say, Dean, how did you do it? Because people thought it would take us six months or more in COVID to go ahead and raise $500,000. We raised a half a million dollars in 27 days. And people would reach out and I said, well, I've got a pretty extensive you know, personal network. So there were around 2,500 people that I knew well that were connections of mine. And they said, oh, that must have been great. You dumped it in an email software. And I said, no, I didn't. No, I did not. I sent personal emails to 2,500 people, not dumping in an email software, an email program. I sent personal emails. So I didn't do it one day. It took me a couple of weeks to do that. But when people saw it was a personal connection and then that was followed up by a lot of phone calls, that's why people were blown away that how fast and how quickly. I mean, we set a record for the highest amount of revenue coming in or amount of capital coming in from leads that were sourced from us. I'm right there with you. Same thing with my book, right? I funded Black Veteran Entrepreneur via crowdfund in like 24 hours. And again, it wasn't just me posting on LinkedIn. I messaged everyone. I let everyone know. I sent them a personal message. And I just, you know, it, what it comes down to to summarize, you need that air war and you need that ground war as well. So I'm big on content, right? I love creating this podcast. I love doing other things. But guess what? I still got my sales going. You know, I'm still prospecting. I'm still sending personal emails. Just like, you know what? Yeah, you're shaking hands and kissing babies, but you're still standing behind that vendor booth, right? That's hard work, right? You're still sending those, writing out those personal emails. And so for our listeners, I want to encourage you to make sure you're doing both. And as you scale yourself from one thing to the next, you still got to cover down. So, Dean, as we close out here, you've given us so much today, sharing insights behind Authentically American and what you've learned, you know, going to market and building a brand. As a community, how can we support and elevate the work that you're doing? So, Mike, let, let me do this back to an investing relationships. And one of my favorite mantras being it's not what you know, it's who you know. One, I would love it if you are a business, you are a charity, or you know somebody that is a business owner that's a veteran, you know, make an introduction, go ahead and reach out. So that would be a great way to help our business. But more important to me, Mike, is how do we help others? And back to the success on this podcast, if there's one nugget that people take away, that would be a success for me. And I am easy to find online. You can find me on LinkedIn very easily. You can go to our Authentically American website. And if there's somebody, Mike, that's tuning in that is an existing veteran that has a business or is an aspiring veteran entrepreneur and wants to learn more, please don't hesitate to reach out to me because I would love to help. Love it, Dean, man. It's an honor to have you here. And here's my promise to you. We're going to work together at Ironbound Boxing. We're going to get some swag. Right. Get my team at Ironbound Media teed up as well, because we appreciate you. We need to have you in the community. And thank you so much for sharing those lessons learned on today's episode of Dog Whistle Brandon. For all my listeners, do me a favor. Go ahead and hit subscribe to the Dog Whistle Brandon newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at Mike at weareironbound.com or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. I'll also include a link to Dean's website in the show notes as well. 
Until next time, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week. Dog Whistle Branding is brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media, where we blend strategy, storytelling, and podcasting to transform veteran-led brands into dog whistles for your perfect customer. We believe that audio is the future of publishing, and we're committed to leading the movement for the veteran entrepreneurial community. You can learn more by visiting our website, ironboundmedia.com. This series is powered by Flawless Acceleration, a new type of coaching organization blending the old school with the new school by providing one-on-one and group acceleration coaching to help you and your team win in business. We're not here to wear name tags, drink stale coffee, and sit in conference rooms telling each other how great we all are. You can do that at your chamber of commerce or some other networking group. We're here to fucking coach. We're proud to support veteran and other badass-owned businesses at every stage of growth. You can learn more and get more at FlawlessAcceleration.com. 